Amen. As you get back up to uh, get in your chair there. Love the commentary. Uh, if you have your copy of God's Word, please open it up or turn it on. We're in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 today. And um, as some of you kind of heard last week, just a little bit about my story. Uh, we moved back to the uh, Plano area and set up shop there. And we moved back kind of mid-summer. So at the end of the summer, at the beginning of the school year, uh, we would always go out to the mailbox, open up the mailbox, and there was like a week, week and a half there where we pulled out our mail, and there on the counter when I would walk by and I'd look, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd notice that there was some sort of postcard or something uh, that would... Um, sorry, but my, my iPad turned off here. and I don't know what to do. I'm using all this new newfangled technology. Um, I know. Okay, there we go. <laughs> and so and so we go there, and there'd be like a postcard or something from this church, and there 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 were you know several different churches. We got about eight different postcards from eight different churches, and they were telling us in each postcard, "Hey, we have this new sermon series on how to have a better family, or how to have a happier life, or how to do better in your job." And it was all these kind of self improvement. Hey, come to our church, and you're going to learn to have. Uh, a better life. And I kind of got to thinking about that. And let's be honest, as men, we always like to improve. You know, one of the things that gets us up in the morning is to be better. We like to be better at something today than what we were yesterday. Now, in your table groups, real quick, and I don't really care what it is, it can be spiritual, it can be non-spiritual, just be honest with yourself. Is there something that you either A, want to learn, or B, that you already know, but you want to improve upon? Just turn around, talk about that at your table. What is something you either A, want to learn, or B, want to improve upon? It could be your golf game, it could be higher sales, I don't care what it is. But turn around real quick, three minutes, talk there at your table. What do you want to improve on? What do you want to improve on?
right, real quick, around, around your table, just somebody, who, what, what did y'all talk about? What, what are some of the things you either want to learn or you want to improve upon? Uh, everyone's pointing over here, what? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So y'all need to prove, improve on modesty and humility, right? That's that's it. All right. Very good. What else? What are some of the things you want to improve on? There was a lot of talking. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Improve on focus. Okay. Ritalin or Adderall will help with that. Uh, that's right. Uh, what else? What else you want to learn or improve upon? Yeah, you again. Okay. All right. All right. What else? Remember to realize and say thank you. Okay. Realize and say thank you. All right. I, uh, I, this is a very non-spiritual thing, but I want to learn how to weld. I just want to learn how to weld. So if you're a welder, call me up. I, I want to come hang out with you. I want to learn how to weld. That's one of the things I want to try and, and do. I don't have much to weld, but I just want to learn. I want to know how it works. I find it interesting. What else? Maybe you can take a book along while you're up on the You don't have much longer, just let it go, man. <laughs> you know, you, you hang out with enough guys and you hang out with them long enough and you learn something about them is you learn that we all want to improve. There's always some sort of uh, desire in us to compete and to be better. Uh, now than what we were yesterday and hopefully improve today so that we can be better tomorrow. Competition is something that we enjoy. We enjoy the improvement process and constantly growing. But uh, I like what Francis Chan said, and he said this, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. And for a lot of guys, we spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of energy, we spend a lot of effort improving on things in our lives that really, in the end, they just simply don't matter. What I love about uh, Colossians chapter 3 is really that is a chapter in the book of Colossians that covers just a lot of things in life. It covers our relationship with God. It covers our relationship with sin. It covers our relationship with our spouse, with our children, with our co-workers, with our boss, with how we work, with how we interact with others. That chapter really just covers everything uh, about our lives. But one of the things we need to understand as Christians is that as we try to improve, what we need to understand is that the Bible is not a self-help book. Did you catch that? The Bible is not a self-help or some sort of self-improvement book. Rather, Scripture 
is a book of instructions or directives. Because you see, as Christians, we are already made perfect. So Mike, you're already perfect. You are made perfect, but you're not made perfect by what you do or who you are. Rather, you are made perfect by who you are in. We are made perfect by Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 128 says, We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect. What? In, in who? In Jesus Christ. We are presented perfect in Jesus Christ. But what a lot of people do is they come to church and they're hoping that, man, maybe whatever the preacher preaches on this Sunday, it's going to help me improve or just simply be better. We're already made perfect in Jesus Christ. We're already made perfect. So then, what is the Bible? The Bible is full of instructions and directives. An instruction is simply an aspect of knowledge. That's all it is. That's all an instruction is. It, is. it is an aspect or it is a nugget of knowledge. A directive is a specific order. And what we see and what we miss as Christians is we come to Tuesday morning or we go to church or, or we go to a Bible study and we're hoping to improve when the reality is, is Scripture is giving us a direct order. And all we simply need to do, gentlemen, is to follow the order. That's all we need to do. Now, I'm a simple guy. I don't know about y'all, but I'm a simple guy. I'm not that smart. But I'll tell you what. After studying Scripture, I've learned that God's orders are simple, but I just have to do them. That's it. I don't have to try and be better. All I have to do is simply do them. And so in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, we see a simple directive. We see a simple, specific order that all of us can do. And that's where I want to focus on today. So what we're going to do is it's going to be really simple. I'm going to read the verse. I'm going to give you one point. All God's people say amen. Okay, one point. Okay, it's going to be short today. I'm going to give you one point. Then I'm going to tell you a true story. All right, true story that really happened. And then we're just going to simply elaborate on that real quick. But here's what Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. There's the directive. There's the specific order. Set your heart on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on what? Things above. There's the, the directive, the specific order, not on earthly things. And here's the one thought. See, it's going by really fast. Here's the first thought. The position of our heart and mind will determine our direction. The, the, where we look determines our direction. Where my heart, where my mind are focused on, that is the direction will go. Look there in verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Verse 2. Set your minds, what? On things above. When my heart and my mind are set on the things of God, like holiness, righteousness, obedience to Him, then I'm going to be the person God wants me to be. Then my wife is is going to be the wife she needs to be. I'm going to be the husband and the father and the employer or the employee I need to be. I want to 
talk about setting our, our minds and our hearts on things above. This is a true story, unabridged, and I'm not embellishing anything because you know how pastors are. We'll get up here and we'll tell you a story. This is a personal story. It really happened. And everything I'm telling you really did happen because I was there. Okay, And I'm not going to embellish it, but I'm going to tell you the truth. And here's the truth is early one morning I couldn't sleep and I was tossing and turning. It was about four in the morning and my wife said, will you just go work out? You know, get out of here. Just go work out. I can't sleep because you're tossing and turning. So I get up and I had a membership at 24-Hour Fitness. There was this newer, uh, there was this old 24-Hour Fitness there at the corner of Parka and Alma. How many of y'all know where that location is? Okay, it's closed down now. And when I started go attending that specific club, they, uh, they were in the process of, of shutting it down. But I walked into there to the gym. It's about 4.20 in the morning. I'm walking in. There's like six people. I walk in. I'm number seven. Okay? And as I'm walking in, okay, there are like three Asians, okay? And they're all over the age of 70, and they're on the elliptical. Okay? Then there's one guy that looks like he's been up since 2 o'clock and he's going to have lunch after he works out. Y'all with me on that? All right. And so he's there and he's over there on the weight machine and, and, and he's over there and he, you know, ear, ear, you know, he's doing his weights. And then there are these two huge, massive guys. I mean, they walk around like robots. You, you know what I'm talking about? And they have muscles. They're huge. I mean, they're walking around like this. Okay, y'all with me on that? All right, you've seen those guys, all right? They walk around like Mike Wagers. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, they're all, they're all buff, you know. I mean, they have muscles, and they're, I mean, they're just huge. I mean, they are just one big muscle. That's all they are, okay? And so I walk in, you know, I do my deal, and I go down there, and I go to the elliptical. Now, you know the rules of the elliptical, right, in using the machines at the, uh, at the gym, you always have kind of the, the safe space. So I go one elliptical over from this older Asian lady, okay? And so there's this older Asian lady, her husband, then there's another Asian guy on the other side. So it's us four, and we're up there, and we're doing the elliptical, and everything's good, all right? Now, there are these two muscle dudes, okay? And they're over in the free weight section, and it catches my attention because one guy, he's walking around like this and the other guy's talking to him. And I can't hear what they're saying, but there's one guy and you can tell he's starting to get jacked up. He's starting to get all pumped up and he's starting to clap his hands. And the other guy, he's talking to him. He's talking to him. And then I look down and on this bar, <laughs> there are seven, I kid you not, there are seven 45 plates on each side. 745 plates on each side. I'm going, what in the world is going on? This guy, he started walking. Then he walks over and he bends over one guy. He bends over like this and he grabs that bar. And he kind of, you know, he kind of gets the warm up. You know what I'm talking about? He's kind of, you know, he kind of kind of gets down there, you know. And then and then he backs off of it. And the other guy's over there and he's talking to him. And and I'm fast, I'm like zoned in on what's going on. So then the guy, he gets over there and he grabs that bar, okay? And he, you can tell he's down there for, for, for a couple seconds. I mean, it, it's like 10 seconds. He's down there, he's getting set. And then all of a sudden, this guy 
proceeds to deadlift north of 600 pounds. That's a lot. If you don't know about deadlifting, the world record is like right around 1,100 pounds. If you can deadlift twice to 2.5 times your weight, you're like considered a demigod, all right? I mean, that's, that's huge. That's a lot of weight. And he's deadlifting north of 600 pounds. And this guy, he starts to pull on this bar. And all of a sudden, you hear him scream, Aah! And the guy is standing in front of him. And here is what he's yelling, Look up! Look up! Look up! And then you got the other guy, and he's going, Aah! Next thing you know, 70-year-old Asian lady is next to me, and she starts screaming. She's like, ah! And her husband next to her, he's like, ah! And next thing you know, I'm screaming. The whole, all seven of us there in the room, we are screaming. We're like, ah! And I'm screaming too. I catch myself, I'm like, I'm screaming. And this guy, he's, ah! And this other guy, he's like, look up! Look up! Look up! I mean, it's intense. I kid you not, this really did happen. He goes, ah! And he lifts it, and then he drops it, and here's this dunk. And I'm like, oh man, that's so cool. I can't believe that. That is so awesome. And I'm like, when he drops the weight, like dead silence in the whole gym. Of course, there's only seven of us in there. Dead silence. And then all of a sudden, you know, kind of things go back to normal. I'm over there, ear, ear, you know, on my elliptical. And um, those two muscle guys, they talk for a minute. And then one guy, the one guy that was lifting, walked back to, to, the, uh, to the showers. And I was like, oh, man, I got to go talk to this coach. This coach, I mean, this coach is awesome. So I get down off the elliptical and I kind of find, you know, it's always awkward approaching people at the gym. So I walked up to this guy and I said, hey, man, I'm Justin Hillhouse. He goes, oh, hey, I'm Adrian Tan. I said, Adrian Tan, man, that's 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 cool. Glad to meet you. What do you do for a living? He goes, oh, man, I'm busy. I got to go. Just Google me. Wh what? <laughs> How many guys have you run into that said, oh, yeah, my name's so-and-so. Eh, just Google me. I was, and in my head, I was like, you're a jerk. But I didn't want to say that because he'd break me in half. And so uh, I said, so your, your name's Adrian Tan? He goes, yeah. He goes, I don't, I don't have time. He looks at his watch. He goes, I don't have time. Just Google me and you'll find out about me. And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what a jerk. He turns around and, of course, he walks back to the showers and does whatever. I finished my workout with my little woman, five-pound weights. And uh, I see him leave and... I'm thinking in my mind, just this guy is such a jerk. I can't believe this. A guy would say, yeah, just Google me. So I go to the office. It's 11 o'clock, and I'm thinking Adrian Tan all day. Just Adrian Tan. And I'm thinking, I'm going to Google this guy. But then I was like, nope, I'm not going to give this guy the satisfaction of Googling him. Because he's a jerk. Well, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm tired. I'm getting ready to go home. I've been up since 4 in the morning. And I said, you know what? I'm going to Google Adrian Tan. I finally give in. Google Adrian Tan. Boop, 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 boop. First thing that pops up, and I guarantee you people are probably Googling his name right now. This is back several years ago, so things might have changed. But boop, 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 boop. What pops up? Adrian Tan, co-author of Million Dollar Muscles. 
wait a minute, he co-authored a book for Million Dollar Muscles? This guy is a weight training professional. Scroll down just, just, just a little bit, and what is it? YouTube videos of all of his workouts. And so I just started watching his workouts, and all it was was a bunch of guys lifting and screaming. That's all they were doing, lifting and screaming, all right? Scroll down just a little bit more, guess what? Adrian Tan at the time was a professor at SMU of sociology, wrote his dissertation on low-income Hispanic children in Colorado, specifically in Denver, Colorado. It's not just Adrian Tan, muscle man. It's a Dr. Adrian Tan, sociology professor at SMU. Looked him up a few years later. Uh, he's now a sociology professor over at UNT. Amazing. This guy's amazing. So I saw this about Adrian Tan. I was like, dude, I've got to meet and talk with Adrian Tan again. So what do I do the next morning? I, I'm up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'm at the gym. And what am I doing? I'm looking for Adrian Tan. Adrian Tan does not show up. For the next 10 days, I get up early. And I go to the gym at 4.20, 4.30 in the morning. Adrian Tan is not there. Finally, two weeks later, I'm, I'm almost about ready to give up. Guess who's at the gym? Dr. Adrian Tan. Can't believe it. So I walk up to him. I do not waste a moment. I walk up to him. He's over there and he's lifting and he's doing his thing. I said, Dr. Adrian Tan. And he remembered me. He goes, you Googled me. And I was like, yeah, you jerk. But I didn't say that to him because he'd break me in half. I said, Adrian Tan, I said, I read your dissertation. I read all your stuff. You're the co-author of Million Dollar Muscles. How cool is that? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can tell he's just eating it up. He was loving it. And then I said, Adrian, I said, I have a question for you. He said, okay. I said, Adrian, the other day you were coaching or training a guy, were you not? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been training him for a couple years now, I said, I got a question. When he was deadlifting all that weight and he was screaming and yelling, I said, you were in his face and you were yelling, look up, look up, look up. I said, why were you yelling at him to look up? Now, granted, if somebody, if I don't just walk up to anybody and ask them, hey, why do you do what you do at the gym? Because if you know people have learned a lot of bad habits. But after Googling Adrian Tan, guess what I learned? This guy knows his stuff about weightlifting, okay? Not only does he know his stuff about weightlifting, but he's a smart guy. He wrote a big, long dissertation, okay? He's educated, so he's going to know. He's not going to steer me wrong. And this is what Adrian Tan said. He said, the reason why I was yelling at him to look up is because I was constantly reminding him to keep his form. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, when you lift weights, a lot of people get hurt because no matter what weight you're lifting, whether it's five pounds, whether it's 100 pounds or 600 pounds or whatever it is, he said their form tends to get off because they tend to look around. He said, so when you're lifting weights or anything that you lift, it is always good to look up because when you look up, it forces your whole body to align and you get good posture and you can lift more and there's a 90% chance that you will not get hurt. 
lifted. He said, it's real simple. All you got to do is just simply look up. I said, now, are you serious? All I got to do is look up. He goes, if you look up, you'll be able to lift more. You'll have better posture and you will have much better focus. What does scripture say? What does scripture say? Go back and look at it. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Your virgin might say, look up. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your minds where? On things above. Look up. There's a directive there. To look up. Just like Adrian Tan was screaming at that guy, look up, look up, look up. What is God screaming at us? Look up! It's very simple. It's not hard. It's not complicated. You carry the weight of the world sometimes on your shoulders. And it will beat you up. What do you do? You look up. Look at what Scripture says about those that look around. Philippians 3, 19-20. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Where are you looking? Where are you looking? I ask you answer. Where are you looking if you're looking at your stomach? You're looking down. Some of you, you don't have to look down as much as others. All right? It's just a glance. All right, Mike Wagers? Um, what does it say? Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But their citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 5, and 6. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Look at what God said to the children of Israel in Ezekiel 27. And I said to them, each of you get rid of vile images you have set your eyes on and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. If you look there in Scripture, Scripture tells us, it teaches us that the things of the world are at eye level and they distract us. We look around, we look down, we look over here, we look over there. We are constantly looking. Proverbs 4, 25 and 26 says this, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only the ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left and keep your foot from evil. Our gaze should be up. Our hearts and minds should be focused up. Real quick, if you're taking notes, there are three ways to help you keep your heart and your minds on things above. Three things you can do to keep you looking up. Number one, get on your knees. Number one, get on your knees. And this is key. This is crucial. Get on your knees. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Psalm 145.18, the Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. George Herbert said this, prayer should be the key of the day and the lock of the night. You want to stay focused on things above? Stay in an attitude and in a heart of prayer. 
one of the things that my family and I, we like to do is every night, or I'd say uh, 80% of the time we have family devotionals. And then after family devotionals, you know what we all do? We all get on our knees and we pray. Gentlemen, when was the last time you got on your knees with your spouse and prayed with her? Guys, when was the last time you got on your knees with your children? And I don't care how old they are. I don't care if they're two years old or they're 22 years old. When have you gotten on your knees and prayed with them? When was the last time you went to the office, you closed your office door, you got on your knees and you prayed for your office? When is the last time you just stopped the car and you just began to pray? You know, I do a lot of my praying in the car. You know why? Because I have a lot of time and there's nothing good on the radio anyway. I spend a lot of time in prayer, in the car, talking to God, just like He was sitting right next to me. That's one way you can set your mind and your heart on things above. Is to begin to pray. Number two, put an eternal mindset on one day at a time. Number two, put an eternal mindset on, get this, one day at a time at a time. Take every day as a new day and a fresh start. And think about it this way. The Jewish people, they start their days at sunset. Have you ever thought about this? They start their day, the new day starts at sunset for them. And what do you do when the sun goes down? What time is it? It's bedtime. Think about this. In the Jewish culture, you start your new day every day with rest. Oh man, that changes my perspective. That's that's a free nugget right there. Didn't charge you for that. But we need to have an eternal mindset one day at a time. Proverbs 27 verse 1, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. James 4, 13 through 14. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or to that city, spend a year here or there, carry on business and make money, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Talking about deadlifting, the average man, each one of you here, we can go to the gym right now and you can deadlift 155 pounds, no problem. Each one of you can. Yes, yes you can. You can do it. (laughs) Just look up. 155 pounds. Okay, the average man can walk into the gym, no training at all, deadlift 155 pounds. Now you want to double that and you want to go up to 300 pounds. Experts say, and guys like Adrian Tan will say, it's going to take you a couple years to do that. You don't just walk in and you do it overnight, but you do it day by day by day, day after day. So don't think about it two years from now. All i got to focus on is deadlifting today. How much can I lift today? And then when tomorrow comes and when I go to bed and I wake up the next day, then I focus on just simply that day. Nothing happens overnight. People come to church all the time hoping that, that they can fix their problems quick so they can be in and out. It's not how God works. You know what I appreciate about our pastor is he doesn't preach about life improvement. He preaches about heart change. He teaches about life change. 
He teaches about what Scripture can do in your heart and in your life and how it can change you, not just today, but also for eternity. Not how to improve on what you already have. And there's a big difference between those two things. And I'm telling you, I've visited a lot of different churches between the time we moved back and the time I came on staff here. And I'm here to tell you, there are a lot of preachers out there and they're preaching really good motivational sermons. But they're not preaching about heart change. They're not preaching about life change. They're not preaching about an eternal mindset. And we need to have an eternal mindset one day at a time. I like what Abraham Lincoln said. He said this, the best thing about the future is that it comes only one day at a time. It only comes one day at a time, gentlemen. Third and finally, focus on obedience rather than improvement. Focus on obedience rather than improvement. Tony Evans said this, and I like, I like this quote, God will meet you where you are in order to take you where He wants you to go. God will meet you where you are and take you in order to take you where He wants to go. Get out of the mindset that the Bible and church is a self-help book or that a sermon is a 35-minute self-improvement seminar. Our pastor and our staff work hard at giving everyone biblical principles to live out. Biblical instructions to follow. Biblical directives. Scripture is a book of obedience. It's a book of obedience. That's all it is. Scripture is a book of, hey, listen, if you want to be saved, this is how you are to be saved. It gives us information and then calls us to a directive. Tells us how to be saved and then tells us specifically what we need to do. All we need to do is to simply what? Do it. It is not hard, gentlemen. It is not rocket science. Yet we choose to try and go our own path or to try to, to try to do it our way. God desires us to simply obey Him. Gentlemen, let's keep this simple. Start looking up. Start looking up. I like what Scripture says. John 14, 23. Jesus said this. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, I, you say, hey, I love Jesus. Okay. Here's the proof. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. What does that mean, he will keep my That means he will simply do what I tell him to do. He will do what I tell him to do. If he loves me, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Whew. Man, do I keep God's word? Do I keep God's word? James 1.22, one of my favorite verses. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's in Scripture. Do not merely hear it and deceive yourselves, but simply do what it says. It's not rocket science. Do what it says. 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1-3. through David is dying. He's dying. Okay, His days on earth are numbered. And he is 
talking to his son Solomon who is getting ready to take over the throne. And there's going to be a transition of power. And as David is fading into eternity, he looks at his son Solomon and these are the instructions he gives him. When the time drew near for David to die, he came. He gave a charge uh, to Solomon his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth, he said. Be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. And here's what God requires, he says. Walk in obedience to Him and keep His degrees and His commands, His laws and His regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. You follow God. What does David say? You follow God. You obey Him. You do what God tells you to do. And guess what? Everything that you do will be prosperous. And everywhere you go, you will prosper. Um, when you begin to follow God, He'll take you on a roller coaster. It'll be an adventure. Life will be full of ups and downs. But when you stick with God and when you continue to look up at Him and fix your gaze on Him, it doesn't matter what's going on all around you. God is all that you will need. For some of you here in this room, you've been playing church or you've been thinking that the Bible is some quick fix, get, you know, help up book. You know what? It's, it's more than that. It's directives. It's specific orders. And guys, I just pointed out one specific order. Look up. Look up. Every guy on your knee, and we're going we're gonna to close out here in prayer. So if you could, just get on your knees there. We're going to close out in prayer. I picked on Mike Wagers a lot today, but Mike, would you just close us out in prayer? I'd really appreciate that. Mike? Amen. I told you.